Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here after yet another loss. I mean, this is becoming a regular thing right now, right? Oh, and five. And there, sometimes you reach a point where you just need to let some stuff off your chest. And I, I think we're there right now because, yes, the Giants, they might be playing better. They might be making small strides. But sometimes you just need to vent. So this is the vent episode, okay? Uh, we're, as always, going to do the uh, – the good, the bad, and the WTF. And uh, what we're going to – we obviously, we start with the bad because every time they lose, that's where we go. So this is, this is like our routine at this point, right? 0-5. The bad is 9-28 and 28 under Dave Gettleman. 12-41 and 41 since the start of 17. That's where the New York Giants are. They lost to the Cowboys 37-34. It was a tight game. It was an entertaining game. They had two touchdowns called back. Two touchdowns called back. It was a, a blatant hold on B.J. Hill missed on what was turned out to be the game-winning drive where Andy Dalton, the Giants, look, they have an opportunity to win the game. Okay, well, this is the bad, okay? And... Daniel Jones and the offense, they get the ball. They've been brutal this year, this this unit. They were a little better on Sunday again. Not great. Let's not go crazy. I know they had 34 points. The defense essentially accounted for 10, right? And it was a lot of field goals. They scored two touchdowns. Daniel Jones still stuck on two touchdown passes in five games. That is brutal. Justin Herbert, the Chargers rookie quarterback, threw four. He doubled... Daniel Jones's output on Monday night alone. They lost. They got their own problems, but that's that's a story for another day. We're not here to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. We're here to talk about the 0-5 New York Giants who had a chance again. Daniel Jones gets the ball right around two minutes remaining. Okay? He gets the ball. The offense gets the ball. He makes a great throw. Rolls out, hits Darius Slayton, who had a great day. We'll get to that in a minute. The good. Makes a great play. 13 yards. Giants need about 25 more yards to get in position for Graham Gano to probably kick the game-winning field goal. Seems pretty standard. Should be able to do that in the NFL. Lead that, that, that Get that victory, that late drive, that leads your team to victory, the kind that would give us confidence. Okay, yeah, Daniel Jones, he did it. You know, uh, He led this group, which isn't a great group, down the field when he needed to most. No. For the third time this year, he fails in that spot. He had a chance against the Bears, got stopped right near the goal line. Fourth down pass to Golden Take, gets knocked down, game over. He had a chance last week against the Rams. Nope. And I'm talking when I say chance, either win or tie. Okay? So, has a chance against the Rams. Giants are driving down the field, throws a costly interception. Terrible play. That's the worst one of the three. And then this one, they get the ball, two minutes left against a brutal Cowboys defense that stinks, and he can't lead him into field goal range. Makes a great play, gets him going, the next three plays, swing pass to Deion Lewis, swing pass to Deion Lewis, rolls out on third down, and basically spikes the ball into the ground as Deion Lewis is running open in the middle of the field. Just they weren't on the same page. It's just infuriating. At some point, you got to say, hey, if you're a franchise quarterback, we need you to make plays and win the game. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. 
So Daniel Jones now has two touchdown passes. Look, it's not all his fault. He doesn't have great weapons, and by great, uh, it's probably that's an understatement. Not having great weapons also doesn't have a great or good offensive line. Again, complete understatement when I say great or not good. The offensive line has been bad. Now the interior was a little bit better this week, but the tackles still a problem. The Giants' weapons. Evan Ingram has just become a complete, basically non-factor. I know he ran for a touchdown. Uh, he had one called back on a, on a fake field goal. But, I mean, in the general run of offense, Jason Garrett has somehow made him a non-factor. You didn't think it was possible. Because if there's one thing the Cowboys were always pretty good at, is they were good with their, their tight ends and making them a big part of the offense. But Evan Ingram is now more ineffective than ever in this Jason Garrett offense. And it's kind of baffling, to be quite honest with you. Because the problem was never, could Evan Ingram play or produce? It was always, can he stay healthy? Now it's, he stinks as a player, is, is what you hear from everybody. That's the narrative. He can't play. He doesn't run routes good. He, he, he gives up on plays. And now you, he's the guy you worry about where, oh my God, Evan Ingram's going to go to a different team at some point. And he's just going to tear it apart. Never able to put it together completely with the Giants. He's going to leave, and then he's going to be a good player. I mean, he's the guy that I'm, I would be most scared of that happening with this team because he has talent, but he's not running down the field. They're not running deep passes down the seam. That's not really part of their offense. They're not throwing it when the, the occasionally the times that he does, uh, and they're just – Evan Ingram has just become a non-factor. It's unbelievable. The Giants' wide receivers, aside from Darius Slayton, have been – woefully unproductive uh I mean Golden Tate caught has been catching some passes but not for any substance behind them he had let's see what was his final numbers exactly four catches five targets 42 yards you know long of 21 he's working the middle of the field he's not getting any room to run and that's that's been his specialty the yak king not this year kind of catches the ball and there's nowhere to run and there he goes. He goes down. And behind them, I mean, Damian Ratley and C.J. Board, non-factors. Board didn't even get targeted. Ratley, once, no completions. So the Giants' wide receiving core, depth-wise, is just insufficient. And he, Dave Gettleman hit on Darius Slayton. There's no doubt about that. Good pick, fifth rounder. But the Giants just haven't been able to get these young receivers and just have depth there. They picked Ratley up and board up both off waivers. I have all these young guys, but neither of them to be none of them, to be quite honest with you, really blew me away in camp. And I'm talking about the Ohio State guys, uh, you know, the Austin Max of the world. I don't know if they're going to be real players in this league. I have my concerns about that. Obviously, it's early. We'll see. But right now, having them contribute as receivers I don't really see it Austin Mack Derek Dillon Benjamin Victor the guy I don't see those guys doing much uh, Alex Bachman would be interesting to kind of see bring up so we'll see if the Giants eventually get to that point but uh, the more likely scenario is that Sterling Shepard returns soon and what I understand on Shepard is he's going to uh, be back on the field this week whether it's actually in practice is another question, but at least he'll be running on the side, working with the trainers, catching some passes, uh, I would believe. And so I'm thinking it 
it looks like they're going to activate him from injured reserve. So at least start that window, a 21-day window. See where he stands and see if he can be ready for this Sunday. I think the more likely scenario after talking to people is that he's ready for the following Thursday. But maybe he surprises them. Maybe his turf toe isn't a problem. He comes back. He's moving well. But we'll see. Not as optimistic optimistic about Sunday, more optimistic about Thursday. So uh, the Giants also now, their pass rush is really thin. O'Shane Zimenez, who wasn't giving them much in the pass rush anyway, he's on IR, shoulder injury. Maybe he'll be back by around midseason. Lorenzo Carter, out for the season. He led the team coming into the game with nine quarterback pressures. This is per next-gen stats. He tears his Achilles. His season is now over. The Giants are now down to Kyler Fackrell and Marcus Golden. And then behind them, it's Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, some you know late-round rookies. Giants are really thin there right now. Now, Marcus Golden is now back in the mix. And he'll be used plenty, and he was used the other day. I believe it was 55 snaps. It was the high for the season. He was essentially being used as a pass rush specialist. Now, already, he leads the team after this past week with 10 total quarterback pressures. So we're going to see more of him. I think we'll see him produce as we had in the past. Kyler Fackrell has been pretty good. The problem is, what do they have behind him? Is two guys really enough when they're not? They're quality. They're decent players, but they're not high-end players. And there's zero depth. And we'll see if they can hold up against a run. I think that's going to be a little bit of a problem here. So they're woefully thin there. And that's where we stand on the negatives. There's plenty. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The Giants are owned five. The roster is not good enough. Uh, Ryan Lewis, he, didn't have, he, he got exploited at the, the biggest points of the game, the Giants' cornerback two spot. What are we on? The third or fourth guy already, right? We had Corey Ballantyne. Found out real quick he wasn't going to be a factor in that cornerback two spot. Had no chance. Then they went to Isaac Yadam. Quickly moved on from him. Now they're on Ryan Lewis. So number three. Number four, next, started up, start up the engine, uh, Madre Harper, who they uh, signed off the Vegas practice squad a couple weeks ago, he'll be starting soon enough. You can book it. And you know what? That probably won't be the end of the Giants' search for a cornerback, too, because it's a problematic spot. Darnay, and that's in addition to Darnay Holmes being a rookie in the slot, who he was exploited by CeeDee Lamb the other day. CeeDee Lamb, by the way. Whew, that, that was their plan. We're just going to go to CeeDee Lamb. They want to card him with Darnay Holmes or a safety or whatever. We'll just hit that middle of the field, hit the soft spots. Eight catches on 11 targets, 124 yards. I mean, they couldn't stop CeeDee Lamb. Couldn't. Couldn't stop him. And then they couldn't stop Andy Dalton. Talk about rubbing the Giants' faces in it. The Giants can't get a win, and the Cowboys lose Dak Prescott. We all saw what happened there. And I don't know if anyone caught this, but I'm Tony Romo is like, and that was a sad situation to see that for Dak Prescott because, you know, the whole contract situation, the guy's built himself into a top high-end player, really a Pro Bowl caliber player consistently, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, at least top five, seven-ish range. And his ankle is hanging sideways. It's facing the wrong way. And Tony Romo on the broadcast was like, you really hope that's a cramp. And you're like, what? (laughs) Really? I mean, you don't want to laugh because that was obviously gross, gruesome, emotional situation, how it all unfolded. But 
pretty inopportune comment there for Romo. But back to the Giants here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to some positives. The interior of the offensive line, really an extension of the week before, is starting to play better. Nick Gates at center. Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler at guard. Nick Gates had a 96.3 pass block win rate, which is you know a good six-plus percentage points higher than what he is right now for the season. So this that was a good step in the right. The Giants, and I know people are saying Nick Gates, he's, he, he's terrible, he's, he's terrible, he's playing bad. The Giants are really, they see growth. They think he's going to develop into a quality center in the NFL. Now, he's five games into his life at playing center. So there's reason to believe he could be a quality player at that position. Will Hernandez finally played significantly better this week, especially against the run. They used him a lot as in, in the, as a puller in that run game. Kevin Zeitler as well. Still not moving great. I could see he's not moving the same way he was the past few years, but he's still a decent player. He's not maybe a high-end, you know, a, a all-pro type player, although I'm not sure he ever was, but that's he, he's a, still a quality player. The tackles, that's another story. You liked what you saw from Jason Garrett in this game as well. The Giants finally, and you thought they would do it the week before because we saw a bunch of trick plays. But this week, they really opened up that playbook. You're talking about, right, an end-around touchdown to Evan Ingram. You're talking about a flea flicker, a throwback pass on a two-point conversion, more of getting Daniel Jones outside the pocket where he can make throws outside the pocket. To me, that's key because Daniel Jones was one of the least productive players throwing outside the pocket prior to this week. He's way too good an athlete that Daniel Jones should be one of the least productive players outside the pocket. And this week, he got outside the pocket, not just to run. I'm talking about moving to throw instead of moving strictly to run, which is what Daniel Jones had been doing coming into this game. And so for me... It's a big deal because think about the top quarterbacks in this league. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. They do a ton of their damage escaping that pressure, you know, feeling the pressure, escaping, getting outside, and then moving around and sort of drifting or running towards the sideline getting outside that pocket and allowing their receivers at that point to work themselves open and then making good, accurate throws from outside the pocket for big plays. So Jones this week was 5-9 for 59 yards outside the pocket. He came into the game through the first four weeks. He had 40 yards passing outside the pocket. We need to see this more, more and more and more. That's the only way he's going to be a really high-end quarterback in this league. I'm sorry. That's the only way. You don't sit in the pocket all day anymore. Those days are done. And another positive, he's thrown to Darius Slayton. He had a much better game. Played very well. Uh, he had a couple weeks where he kind of was back to normal. 8 of 11 for 129 in this game. Looked explosive. 38 yards after the catch. 16.1 yards per reception. Darius Slayton can get down the field. The Giants have to take shots down the field to him consistently. One or two shots every week. That's their, how they're going to produce big plays. There's not a lot of big plays in this team right now. They're not going to get a lot of big plays out of that run game. Devontae Freeman ran better, but look, he's, he's a diamond dozen guy right now. Okay, Golden Tate's not a big get-down-the-field explosive playmaker. 
Evan Ingram, they like we talked about it before, they sapped that out of him. So the only guy that's going to really make these big plays downfield is Darius Slayton. So the Giants are going to need to do that more and more. He played well. You'd like to see it. Defense did some good, good things. Kyler Fackrell, I thought, played really well. He's really been the difference maker. He leads the team in tackles for loss right now, uh, which is which I was kind of surprised by with six. So And then he had interception return. The way he, he was able to run with the ball, very impressive. Very impressive. Now, one last thing, the WTF this week. Andrew Thomas. The Giants need Andrew Thomas to play better. Not just better, significantly better. Now, I'm taping this on Tuesday. We spoke to offensive line coach uh, Mark Colombo, and what he said, and and this is about, because Thomas has been getting beat both on the edge, which sometimes happens, the speed, these guys are good players he's playing against. Every, Every team has good pass rushers, but... He's also been getting beat beat inside, which is a cardinal sin when you're talking about offensive tackles. And what Mark Colombo said was he's kind of overshooting his target. And that basically means he's overextending himself, leaves himself vulnerable. Guys that make a counter move get inside, and Daniel Jones' life is in danger. But still, by my count, two more sacks allowed for Andrew Thomas this season. He's got to be in like I, I what I consider two and a half previous week or so we're basically that's four and a half he's it's pretty much close to seven in my book for this season seven sacks allowed they're gonna need him to play better and now this week strap it up let's see it him versus chase young number two overall pick the washington football team that's what we want to see let's go this is the kind of stuff that he was brought here for doesn't have to be perfect but he's got to do well against these kind of players, because that's what he's going to see for the next 10 years. So I got my venting out of the way, but I'm not alone. We have others that need to vent. So let's bring in our guest for this week. On to the next one. All right, let's bring in Dave Rothenberg, co-host DCR, 9 to 11 a.m. and 98.7 ESPN New York. You guys all know know him very well. Uh, Huge Giant fan. This must be tough, Dave, to sit there every week Watch your team, and realistically, at the end of the day, you're sitting there and with, with another loss. It stinks. First of all, thanks for having me on. I love the podcast. I'm a huge fan, and it's terrible. Jordan, I mean, really, it's another season, and this one's so disheartening. And you remember this. Wellington Mara, the, the old Giants owner and, and beloved within Giants circles, his take was, get me the December – with a chance at the playoffs, and it's a successful season. Well, Jordan, 18, 19, 20, these seasons are over in September, maybe early October. So this is terrible. And I've heard a lot of, well, you know, a silver lining here, or this is not that bad there. Jordan, they're 0-5. They're a bad football team. Yeah, they compete a little bit. Do you want a prize because you competed with a bad Dallas Cowboys team? I mean, do you do you want a prize because the Steelers trail to you at some point in the second quarter? I, again, I'm sorry, but I got to be honest. I do not have a lot of optimism when it comes to this team right now. Well, that's the thing, right? I, I, I want to I know. As a fan base and as a fan, are you what's, what's it like every Sunday for you? I mean, are you beat down like yeah. – 
Are you conceding you're going to lose, or you go? You went into this Sunday saying, "Hey, you know what? Here we are. We play good today. We're we're kind of in it, even though you know they're they're, they're really not going anywhere this year." But <laughs> what's a, what's a Sunday like at this point for you? No, and it's it is sad because my whole life, really, my whole life, it's just been you know this fanatical Sunday, and and you go crazy for the Giants, and and I'll be honest with you, and this is true, like they've taken that away from me. I watch the games, and I just don't care the way I did. I, 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 I truly, I do not. In times past, a loss like that to the Cowboys would have had me incensed, would have had me sleepless, would have had me multiple days of just on edge because of that. And this was, that sucks. I'm annoyed. 20 minutes later, what do you guys want to have for dinner? And that's the truth. The wow. Giants, and no one else, Jordan, the Giants have managed to suck the life out of really, really, truly caring every single Sunday about whether they win or lose. So what was the reaction when they call, when, when they get an illegal procedure penalty on a fake field goal? You shake your head. I mean, it's a brilliant call. We were told that this guy is, is so wise and Belichickian and such an intelligent coach and a special teams ace. And he, he runs a play, which is nothing short, really, of genius, where Engram is pretending to run off the field and he's on his way off. And all of a sudden he stops, lines up, you know, the, the snap, the play to him, beautiful touchdown. And you get so excited. And then you see Cam Fleming hasn't, hasn't set properly. I mean, it's inexcusable. You, know, you don't have a lot of moments right now where you watch Giants football and you're like, great play, great execution, way to get it done. You had that for 30 seconds, and then you see the flag is there and it gets taken away. I, I was incensed. I was living. I'm still annoyed talking about it because that's one of the very few plays that you've had over the last God knows how many years, which has been positive, and it was ripped away quickly. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm curious because you say you're kind of beat down, so I'm wondering – even in game, are you are you kind of muted? Or are you just like, oh, of course it's a penalty? Or are you really just are you really yelling and screaming and and up and jumping up and down at that point? I'm not. I'm not. I, in the past, a play like that would have sent me apoplectic. Like magazines would go across <laughs> the room, and you know, okay, kids would be yelled at. No, I'm not at that level anymore. I'm not because even if they win, even if they pull a win out of you know where, and they're one and four, then what? Right then, then well, are they, they going to really win the division? Are they going to p- compete for a playoff spot? Are they going to win more than four games? It's a disaster. But I was angry. No, but I'll be honest. My anger, my frustration, my shaking of the head is not what it's been. It's not. I mean, Jordan, this is not a year of this. This is years, years of watching this brand of football with the Giants. They are the worst team in the NFL since 2017. 12 and 41. Right. Dave Gettleman since taking over for GM, 9 and 28. Can I say something too? Yeah, go Can ahead. I, go ahead. Yeah. You know, he, he had the, and I believe the phrase is unmitigated goal. And what frustrates me about Gettleman is this he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room, like he knows better than everybody else, like, like you're lesser than he is. And, and the truth is, that couldn't be more from the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. He said after the draft, well, looks like we fixed the offensive line once and for all. Jordan, it looks worse than it's ever looked. He makes a trade for Zeitler. He drafts Hernandez. He signs Fleming. The fourth pick in the overall in the draft is Andrew Thomas. It's terrible, Jordan. I look at every other team. 
and they're able to cobble together some semblance of an offensive line this side of Cincinnati. And for some reason, year after year after year after year, and the Giants' offensive line absolutely stinks. That's what's going to get him fired. I mean, that's the reality of it because, like, he, you know, that was one of his, that was his, his claim. When he, his opening press conference, he said, I'm going to fix the offensive line. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm a guy. It's worse than when he took over. It might be worse than when he took over. At what point do we get to see Pert? At what point do we get to see Lemieux? It's like, it's time. You're 0-5. You're the laughing stock of the league, this side of the Jets. It's time. I want to see these other players play on the offensive line. Here's the problem with that. You start Matt Pert. You have two rookie tackles. One's already struggling badly. You might be putting your, your, your potential franchise quarterback, we'll get to that in a second, I say potential there, at serious risk by having him have two rookies, one on each side. I mean, I know Cam Fleming's not a world beater, but you know what he is. You know, he's a veteran who will grind his way. He'll be okay on the, out there on the field. You put Matt Parrott out there, I mean, let's be honest, Andrew Thomas has been bad. You really want to put Daniel Jones potentially at risk? I, I, I understand your point. At some point, though, I'd like to see what, what else there is. You know, I'd, I'd like to see what the future is of Matt Peart or Pert or however you say his name or, or what, or, you Pert. know, I don't like, I don't like, it's Peart. Like the fruit. You get, I was told, like the fruit with a T, Peart. I'd, pre- I'd prefer Pert like the shampoo if we could. I, I mean, I, I was calling him Pert and then I was corrected. So, Peart. Well, whatever. I'd like to see the fruit or the shampoo at right tackle. And I get your point, but I guess I would the say big maybe shampoo. That's a good nickname. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the pear shampoo. I'd like to see change, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it's a knee jerk reaction. But boy, watching this and watching the, the offensive line, you know, Will Hernandez. I gotta be honest. I don't think he's very good. 
He's Kevin a Zeidler. Player. I, don't, I don't think he's, he's very good. These guys, yeah. these guys should be better, and they're not. And I point the finger at, at one person, and that's Dave well, we, The thing is, they've already pointed the finger at multiple coaching staffs, right? So when you look at it and say, okay, wait, it wasn't the first coaching staff. It wasn't the second coaching staff, maybe. We're getting the same results. Oh, maybe, maybe, just maybe it's the talent that's on this roster. So I, I think we're all in agreement there, and they're probably going to move on from Dave Gettleman. I can't imagine you were against that. I can't imagine anybody's really against that right now. It seems like if they keep in this direction that that's inevitable. But, but another big- thing, I got another thing, and I hate to interrupt you, but I have a lot of points to make today, Jordan. <laughs> and, that, and that is, I, I'm sorry, I can't go from Dave Gettleman to someone else that you're comfortable with that was once employed by you or is already within the organization. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. I need to move into a different a different realm when it comes to running this team. The ownership, Jordan, has to realize what we've done has not worked. What we want to do is broken right now. And I don't know whether it's Lewis Riddick. I don't know whether it's Nick Casario. I don't know who it is. But I do know that I don't want Kevin Abrams promoted from what he's done to be the new face of the Giants. I want a fresh start from someone outside of their comfort zone with this organization. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, the, the, lo- the logical thing, which right now you can't assume the Giants would do the logical thing because they've been a bad organization now for the better part of a decade, is that you pair someone up with Joe Judge that aligns with his philosophies, right? And so, therefore, you're kind of bringing in his guy and you give, okay, this is the the regime. They're tied together no matter what. These guys are working together. They're going to do everything together. They believe in the same things. I I, I agree with you. I think that's really the only way they, they can go here. Anything else is just ludicrous. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And But I, let me follow that up with this. Do we know that Joe Judge is 100% safe? Is there any chance that they, they want a new guy and they bring him in and he says, I want my own head coach? I would be really, really surprised. I, they, I think they like the way that Joe Judge works and operates and they're going to want to give him an opportunity. I really don't think that's kind of a backwards way. of. I mean, they've already done it backwards, so it, you're right. They're in a strange spot. But that, I don't think they would do that. They gave him. Uh, you know, a solid deal. They would have to eat a lot of money again and pay another coach, another general manager. Uh, I'd be really, really surprised if the Giants went in that direction. So you think that they're going to ask Judge who he thinks is the answer as as, as the face of, of the draft? I think more so than ever before, the head coach is going to have input on the general manager. It's something the organization, think about it, has never done, right? So I do think that it would go that way because they put themselves in this situation by keeping Gettleman. So, you know, to, to make this assumption and then fire Judge, I mean, after one year giving him a roster that he knew, quite frankly, wasn't going to be good enough right away, that would be, that would be quite a move. But anything is on board with this organization right now. Would you be surprised? 
Uh, nothing would surprise me. No, but the thing that's so upsetting and frustrating to me is it's so stagnant. It's, it feels so old. It feels, you know, like, like Gettleman comes in with this grand plan and hog mollies and I'm smarter than you and computer folk and drafting Barkley. And then, you know, I mean, it's just, it's nothing would surprise me. It's, it's very frustrating. That's why when I watch the games on Sundays, Jordan, it's hard to have your whole heart and soul be ripped at every week. And I, I feel a little bit dead inside when I watch these games now. I mean, it's totally understandable, but this is the thing. And this is why, Joe, it's, it's weird because Joe Judge wants to sit there and tell you, look, we're making progress, be patient, right? And it's not his fault, but the fan base is beaten down, right? You're beaten down by the previous three or four years or seven or eight years, whatever. You yes. want to exclude 2016. So he's saying, be patient. We're, we're building something here. This is sort of step one to build. But you're sitting there as a fan, and this is a tough spot for him. He's trying to sell this to a fan base that has been the worst team for now two, three, four years in a row. So, you know, how do you preach patience to people when, when they, they've already – when the rebuild should have started three years ago? That's the situation that he's in. That's the way I view it. I think it's fair, and I think taking Saquon Barkley, I know it's a, a point we always go back to. Yeah, but revisionist history. We're, we're always back yeah, to that, you know but what? I – totally. It's you're not, right. I mean, you and I had the conversation – Three years ago, why do you not take Saquon Barkley? You don't take it because you're not at the verge of winning football. And by the time you are, he's not going to be the running back that he once was. And the truth is, he was great year one. It produced nothing as far as victories are concerned. Year two was a wash because he was hurt. Year three is a complete wash. And you hope now that he comes back healthy in year four. And you don't even know what the team's going to look like. Before you even know it, Jordan, you're going to have to pay this guy a huge contract. And for what? For what he's done? He's done very little in his time here so far with the Giants. No, I think that's not even debatable that they, they, they went in the wrong direction. But the bottom line is they did go in that direction. So now the point is, how do they fix it? And there's going to be, you know, there's new regime, at least on the head of the coaching side, and probably eventually the general manager. And they're going to say, okay, well, how do we fix this now with that damage already being done? Which takes us to this. Is there any optimism long-term? Because that right now, to me, stems really on one thing. Like, this organization is going to be set back for even more years if Daniel Jones isn't the goods, right? Because I'll be honest, I don't think they're going to get the top pick. I don't think they're going to get into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstake. I know they're bad, but we've all seen the Jets play. I mean, they're god-awful. And the Giants, quite frankly, have a pretty decent shot to win this week. Uh, so is, are you, is there any optimism right now with Daniel Jones? I mean, 31 turnovers in – 17 career starts right now. I mean, that's all you got to say right there. He's a fumbling machine. He, he, you know, he's a young quarterback. And again, you know, I hate to deflect. I don't know that I have the answer. I mean, you watch him play. And even on the last drive, when protection breaks down and he rolls right and he makes that beautiful throw to Slayton on the sideline. So there's never a game that I watch him that I'm not like, oh, look at that. That's a throw. That's a play. He did it with his legs. He, he did it with his arm. He made a good play. And, the, and, and in the same vein, Jordan, in every single one of these games, I have, come on, that's the decision you made? I mean, down at the goal line and you make that decision, we saw it against the Steelers. We saw it against the Rams. We saw fumble six this week against Demarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the jury, they just they just locked the, the, the door to the deliberation room and they're not coming out for a long time. The only thing I'll say to that is, do we have a long time? Like, 
I agree with you. The Giants aren't going to be a, a one-win team. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. But could they get the second pick? Could they get the third pick? I don't think that's without reason. Like no, you, could go, you could go three and 13 and wind up with the second pick. There's some people that think Justin Fields is going to be a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence anyway. You can't compound mistakes. You can't say, well, we're just going to stick with this guy because it's only two years. If the new regime and Joe Judge, and remember, this is not Joe Judge's quarterback. He didn't draft this guy. He wasn't on board with that. If he looks at it and says, we need to take Fields and move on from Jones, I, I, I trust him. I think that that's what you'd have to do. I don't know. It's such a mess, and that's the problem. You're, you're a year and a half almost into the Jones regime, and you have more questions than you have answers. So I don't know. I think he has potential. I watch games, and there's moments where he makes these throws that provides real promise, and then there's times where I watch him, and I'm like, he stinks. He looks lost, and, and, and he looks terrible. But you know what? Look at his – I mean, Evan Ingram is terrible. Evan Ingram is just, he's not a good tight end. It was a failed pick. He shouldn't be here anymore after this year. Sterling Shepard is hurt. And even when he's right, he's average at best. Darius Slayton is good. Golden Tate is past his prime. It's not like this guy is working with, you know, a great combination of skill position players. The offensive line also stinks. So, I mean, a very long-winded answer is, Jordan, I really don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be a good quarterback or not in the NFL. Well, that's what makes these final 11 games so important for this organization, right? They have to come up with that answer. And you know what really bothered me? Tell me if this is bothering you. Because he made that great play, right? You, he rolls out, makes that great throw to Slayton. You're like, oh, right. You know, that's, that's what you want to see. But then that third down play, he's got Deion Lewis open to some degree. They're not on the same page. The ball's basically spiked into the ground as he's throwing. He, like, fires a bullet that's, like, right into the ground. Golden Tate's open right ahead of him as well. That, that, to me, bothers me because now we're talking about Dave. The Giants, for all their problems, and they haven't been good this year. I'm not going to be one to sit here and tell you they've been good. Uh, Chicago week two, the Rams last week, and then this week against the Cowboys. Daniel Jones and the offense get the ball with a chance to win or tie on their final possession. And they don't get the job done, not once. That bothers me. It should bother you. It should bother every Giants fan. They had golden opportunities against the Rams. Couldn't get it done. Golden opportunity. And, and, and listen, but I, just want to see, I want to see Jones come through in those spots every now and again. That's it. So that do. alone would give you a little more confidence that he's the guy. We all do. But here's the thing. Graham Gano is hitting field goals from 55 yards, and they look easy. He's been great, by the way. He's been great. Unbelievable. Terrific. One of the few bright spots. So you start at your own 25. If you get to their 37-yard line, Jordan, you feel pretty confident that he's going to be able to hammer home a 55-yarder. So I'm looking at 40 yards. I have two minutes to go 40 yards. I can go five-yard play, inside handoff, seven-yard play, five-yard play. I have more time than I know what to do with. And I punt it away, and they come down the field and do exactly that with their backup quarterback who hasn't played all game up until a series or two before that. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, that was rubbing it into the Giants fan face when Andy Dalton comes in and does it in like 10 seconds – they went 72 yards, Dave. 72 yards. Now, I will say this, and, and you know me well. I'm not a huge complainer, and I'm not blaming the officials for the Giants' loss, but how that wasn't a holding. On the first play there, with B.J. Hill with an inside pressure, 
Jordan, I give up. It, it was one of the most blatant holdings I have ever seen. And they, they sat there, they saw it. It was right in the middle of the play and the officials did nothing about it. There is just no holding this year in the NFL. I mean, that's pretty much the way these games are working uh, for the most part. I mean, it, it's pretty clear we're now five weeks into the season. Uh, these penalties are way down, but you're right. That was a blatant holding. To, to me, the field goal, I know Cam Flaming wasn't technically set. That seemed ticky-tacky to me. I'm actually on the other end of the pass interference. I actually thought he did. It looked to me like he was actually did run through him and look, look at least look, make it appear that he was blocking rather than running his route. So I understand that one maybe a little bit more than, than the other two for sure. But, yeah, not, not what you want to see. Uh, and it really just rubs salt in the wounds for the Giants and their fans. But, Dave, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Maybe one of these days it'll be after a victory. Oh, the, can, can you promise me that? Can, can we do it after a victory? You know, it's funny, Jordan. Giants are our slight favorites in this game this week. And then ESPN has this FPI index. Uh-huh. And the, Giant, the Giants have a 47% chance to win whatever, in fact, that means. So I, I hope that they can – that they can. you know what the amazing thing is, Jordan? If the Giants would have won that game and been one and four and no Dak Prescott for the remainder of the season, you would have actually had fans sitting here saying, we can win this division. And I don't even think it would have been the craziest notion in the history of the world. But now, uh, this, this, is, this is done. I would have been willing to – I wasn't willing to concede prior to this week, but I would have been willing to concede if they won that game that they were in the division race by default because – but until they won a game, I refuse to, to yes, even, even, even believe that that's a possibility. So It's very um, difficult to believe in 0-5 teams in any kind of race. So they're, they're not. And it's, all, all hope seems lost right now. Dave, I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you, Jordan. Thank On you. On to the next one. Always love to have my boy Dave Rothenberg come on. Good friend. A good giant fan. Really knows his stuff. I mean – there's few people that I trust to know their Giants top to bottom like Dave. I mean, seriously, he's top notch when it comes to uh, knowledge of the New York Giants. And so listening to him and his opinion, I always find very informative. So I, ho- I hope you did as well. I think we both got to vent a little bit there because these are tough times. And I know as a Giant fan, sometimes you just need to vent. You don't, it's hard to sit down every Sunday and, and leave – with that losing taste in your mouth. It's frustrating. It's okay to admit it. It's frustrating. Sure, they may be rebuilding. It's still frustrating to see your team lose every Sunday over and over and over again. You know, we're talking about including the playoff loss in that 2016 season, right? We're talking 42 of 54 games they have lost. 42 of 54. Their last 54 games. I mean, that's unfathomable almost. Like, imagine leaving that 2016 season and thinking that's what it was going to turn into. Oh, boy. Which brings us to the segment of the episode of this podcast where I give you a Jordan on the beat, where I give you a little taste of what it's like to be a Giants reporter, really an NFL reporter, work for ESPN. And this week I'm going to tell you about the – Zoom part of the job these days, like uh, of of some of the things you see. It's really and and I know this probably applies for a lot of fields and a lot of people's jobs at this point. But 
the dynamics of a Zoom call are pretty amazing, right? You have all these random people in different places. People in their cars are all over the place in their home office, uh, outside, uh, internet connections, drop-in, choppy. And I'm guilty of that. Trust me. That's part of the story here is, I mean, I've been sitting in the parking lot in the Giants, outside the Giants facility doing these Zoom calls. And because we're parked a few rows back, the the strength, the signal strength to the building, to the Giants building and their Wi-Fi has been shoddy. So a couple of times, first of all, I opened my big mouth and I, I got on Ryan Dunleavy, the New York Post, for his shoddy internet connection. So, of course, karma comes back to bite me, right? And I deserve it. Don't get me wrong. Totally deserve it. I'm giving him crap about his always having problems with the Zoom. And I told him he needed a, you know, he obviously missed the uh, New York Post uh, Zoom training. And then what happens? The next week, I'm the guy who's sitting there asking questions. My internet's shoddy. They can't hear me. I drop off like two or three times. So now I found a new parking spot that is a little closer. And I believe I have found the key. But the Zoom call in general is just a fascinating thing these days. Because, you know, there's always the one guy whose face is super close to the camera. He's basically eating the camera, right? There's the other guy whose face is, like, semi-cut off. There's the other guy who's, who's like, got stuff going on in the background. His kids are running back and forth. Or there's, he's, he's always outside, and you can hear all the elements in the wind or the lawnmower. But really, my favorite is the guy whose face is plastered to the camera, right? Or the guy who's, like... uh Picking his nose on camera, which I don't get me wrong. I mean, once in a while, you got to do what you got to do. I'm, I'm, I might have been that guy at some point this summer. At the very least, I know sometimes I find myself like scratching my nose or the outside of my face, and I'm like, oh, you can't. That's like a basic rule, one on one. When you when you're on a hot mic and camera for TV, there's two rules. Number one, never curse. Watch what you say about people. And number two is don't pick your nose or even scratch near your nose because the impression is if you scratch near the nose you got that you might have that digit up there it, it might look like the digits up there and you're looking for you know you're looking to find some special treasure up there like that happens so these are the things you got to be careful about on camera the zoom call is no different can't go you scratch the nose from the wrong angle it looks like you're up there you put your face too close to the the camera it looks like you're eating us. So you remember, this might apply to you. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy who looks like who's wearing the cut sleeves T-shirt, you know, and look like you just came from the gym and you're sitting there and you're sweating on camera. You don't want to be that guy either. You don't want to be the sloppy, messy guy. Now, I will say this. Attire is, is casual on Zoom calls these days. I mean, really, really casual. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that, too. You know, you got the hat and the T-shirt pretty much all the time. Half the time, I look like I'm ready to go play golf, which sometimes maybe I am. I'm not shy about that. But you still, there's a line. You can't go below the line. You can't be the cut sleeves guy. Or you can't get caught in your underwear. You know, you can't be, you can wear those mesh shorts, but don't stand up and let people see those mesh shorts. No, no, no. That's, that's Zoom taboo. Got to be careful there. But anyway... We got a game this week, the Giants against the Washington football team. We're actually going to get to that 
with another episode of Breaking Big Blue. See, this is a, I, I promised you it last week, but I messed up a Zoom taping and didn't come through. I'm, I, again, blame me. I deserve the criticism. If you want, throw it at me. I fully deserve it. But this week, I'm going to try again. Try again for a second Breaking Big Blue, second episode of Breaking Big Blue this week. Okay? We're going to try to bring that. It'll be a preview of this absolute thriller of Dwayne Haskins against Daniel Jones. Not really. Of two winning teams, the Giants and the Washington football team. I might call them their former nickname. I'm bound to do that several times this week. No, I'm just kidding. They're not winning teams either. So, but anyway, we'll do some fascinating, we'll have some fascinating talk about what's going on there. Because remember, the debate was a lot of people thought the Giants should take Dwayne Haskins. They were never really in that market. And we could say what we want about Dave Gettleman. He was right about that. Dwayne Haskins does not look like that's going to be a good pick. He's already out as the starter, a mess in Washington. We'll get to that later this week. I'll give you my prediction and all that stuff. As always, you can find this podcast, Breaking Big Blue, on all podcast platforms, the ESPN app, uh, Apple Podcasts. You know where you can find it. Tell your friends. Rate us. Give us a good rating. Feedback, always welcome. I'll do a uh, uh, Giants After Dark on the next episode as well where I'll answer all your questions. So reach out to me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email, wherever I'm, wherever you know I'm available, reach out. I'll try to answer your question. And we'll be back later this week. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.